Another Georgia county uncovers votes while Trump fires his Homeland Security cyber chief who claimed the election is secure. Facebook and Twitter get grilled by Congress again. And Georgia's Democratic Senate candidate, Raphael Warnock, gets vetted. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Stop putting your online data at risk. You get protected at expressvpn.com. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First, if this... Holiday season feels like it's been a long time coming. Make it worth the wait with Omaha Steaks, the greatest of all gifts. So, about a year back, Omaha Steaks got me like kosher steak. But let me tell you, they do steak. Right? I'm a big steak aficionado. I love burgers. I love steaks. I love the meat. And Omaha Steaks, I mean, this stuff is so juicy. It is so good. It is so tasty. I mean, they, they age their meat perfectly. Omaha Steaks are aged at least 21 days. Their Omaha Steaks private reserve is aged at least 28 days. Their dry aged beef program stretches that time all the way out to a full 60 days. So, I mean, they really know how to age steak, and that means it's just as juicy and tasty as you could possibly imagine. They've got these caramel apple tartlets that are apparently, my staff has tried them. They're apparently crunchy and also delicious. They have the burgers, which are basically like grilled steaks because they put the right seasoning on it. I mean, this is all just amazing stuff. If your mouth is starting to water just listening to this, that's how I feel every time I think about it. This is why you should go check out Omaha Steaks right now. Right now, you get a mouth-watering package plus four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer at an exclusive price available only to my listeners. This is Deluxe Grillers Assortment. It includes a vast variety of entrees, sides, desserts. You get a discount of over 50%. Go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code SHAPIRO into the search bar. Again, go to omahasteaks.com, enter the code SHAPIRO into the search bar. Omaha Steaks isn't just steak. It is a guaranteed fantastic gift, a safe way to share the joy of the season. Don't forget, when you order that Deluxe Grillers Assortment, you also get free Four free Omaha Steaks burgers and a free digital meat thermometer with my code Shapiro at omahasteaks.com. It's a deal you will not find anywhere else. They deliver guaranteed quality and safety with every order. Visit omahasteaks.com, type Shapiro in that search bar to shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I mean, imagine how happy you or a family member is going to be when they receive the greatest available gift. I mean, that's pretty awesome stuff. This holiday season, omahasteaks.com and use that promo code Shapiro in the search bar at the top to get the special gift. Okay, so we continue to follow the outcome of the 2020 election. And chaos continues to dominate the process. There's some good news for Team Trump. There's some bad news for Team Trump. Just for clarification on all this, we've asked Sidney Powell on the show. We'll see if Sidney Powell, who is the Trump team lawyer, to, if she comes on the show, she, of course, has suggested that the Kraken will be released. And my suggestion is, do it now. Like, what, what, what exactly are we waiting for? If you have a Kraken in the waiting, if you have an enormous amount of information suggesting widespread voter fraud or voter irregularity that would switch the outcome of an American presidential election. Like, you know, it'd be a great time to release all that information yesterday. You know, it'd also be a great time today. You know, it'd be a terrible time tomorrow because all of these states are beginning to certify their election results. So yesterday, another Georgia county has uncovered 2,700 missing votes. This makes the second Georgia county that has now uncovered thousands of missing votes, which obviously is a terrible look. According to WSB TV, the Georgia Secretary of State's office says another county has found missing votes during their audit of the ballots in the presidential race. This comes as Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger has started firing back after more than a week of criticism from President Trump. Raffensperger says it was the president to own attacks on absentee ballots that cost him the election in Georgia. So his suggestion is that because Trump kept saying mail-in ballots are a bad thing, a lot of Republicans didn't use the mail-in ballots, but that's election analysis, which we don't need from him. What we actually need from him is a safe and secure election. So who cares about his opinions on mail-in ballots or why Trump supposedly lost. How about we get from him, you know, a verified vote count in which thousands of votes are not ignored. Raffensperger said he actually suppressed, depressed his own voting base. Now, Raffensperger's a Republican. I understand he's trying to cover his butt here a little bit. 
But it's not a great look when you have 5,400 votes that suddenly magically appear during an audit. The Secretary of State said some 24,500 Georgia Republicans who voted absentee in the June primary did not actually vote in the general election. During the hand recounts on Tuesday, Fayette County uncovered 2,755 votes that were not included in the initial count. Secretary of State official Gabriel Sterling said those ballots were scanned onto a card, but the votes were never uploaded into the initial count. He says there were several backups designed to catch this issue and that it falls to workers who didn't follow procedure. Of the votes that are now being added to the total, 1,577 were for Trump, 1,128 were for Biden. The rest were for Joe Jorgensen or write-ins, which changes the margin in the state by 500 votes. Biden now leads Trump by about 12,929 votes. That margin is down about 1,000 votes just from those two counties alone. Okay, this that does show an awful lot of election error. It really does. I mean, when we had the recounts, the hand recounts in Florida, it shifted the voting total by a couple of hundred votes, not 1,000 votes. Fayette is the second county to report an issue with missing votes. On Monday, Floyd County uncovered 2,600 votes that were missed during the initial count on election night. The Secretary of State's office said it was human error and called for the elections director in the county to step down. Those votes changed the margin by about 800 in favor of President Trump. The margin was similar in the Purdue-Ossoff race. That would be David Purdue and John Ossoff will not affect the runoff, according to Secretary of State official Gabriel Sterling. The guardrails that were there caught this. We're going to be able to put those results in the final amount. Sterling also said they're investigating a potential memory card with 224 votes on it in Walton County that may have been missed. The Secretary of State's office also opened two investigations in Fulton County, the first into how a water leak at State Farm Arena was handled. The second is how elections monitors were handled. Of the other counties that have completed their recounts, 57 had no deviations from the original ballot count. 21 counties were either plus or minus one off of the original ballot count. 32 counties are off by single-digit numbers and are being investigated. So it is not as though these are coming in one by one or a high percentage of the counties are reporting extra votes that have not yet been found. But obviously, when you find giant caches of votes, when you find... 2,700 votes, 2,400 votes that have not been counted. That is not a good thing and is going to plant in people's minds the idea that at least some screw-ups took place right here. Meanwhile, President Trump has filed new lawsuits in Nevada. The Trump campaign late last night said it was challenging Nevada's election results under a state law that lets candidates contest an election based on allegedly fraudulent votes and other grounds, is according to the Washington Post. In a document filed on Tuesday, Republicans asked a state court in Carson City to declare Trump the winner of Nevada's six presidential electors or to annul the election entirely, meaning no winner would be certified from Nevada. The document promises evidence of fraud, but does not provide it. Okay, if you're going to, seriously, like this is not, this sort of move you need real evidence for. If you're going to disenfranchise the millions of voters in a state like Nevada, then you actually are going to have to show the election fraud. You don't get to say there's the possibility of election fraud, so we are going to throw out all the votes in the entire state. You actually have to show widespread voter fraud because as much of a fan of Republican rather than Democratic ideals as I am, meaning small Republican, meaning checks and balances on mob rule, okay, people's votes count. This is a democracy still. It is a democratic republic. Okay, what that means is that you can't just disenfranchise an entire state's votes based on mere allegations. You need actual evidence. Now, if there's actual evidence that 100,000 votes or 10,000 votes that would shift the election outcome are, are being... Voter fraud is found, voter regularity is found, that shifts the outcome. So you disenfranchise the entire state's vote. Well, then I guess that's what you do. But you actually have to show evidence that that is the case. You don't just get to file to invalidate state counts all over the place if the state counts don't go your way. And that, that, that's it's bad for the country. It's a bad strategy. Again, show the evidence. I'm a big evidence guy. You show me the evidence, I'm good. Right? You show me the evidence in Georgia that, fi- that 5,400 votes, 5,100 votes were found outstanding. Excellent. This is evidence. This is evidence that votes were missing. But if the if the evidence is there's the possibility of voter fraud, 
that ain't going to cut it to disenfranchise an entire state like Nevada, for example. The election contest filed, uh, filed Tuesday reprises some of the previously rejected allegations rejected by the state of Nevada and by the courts, including the claim that Clark County officials violated state law by using a machine to verify some mail-in signatures rather than processing them all manually. Other claims include that officials did not allow for meaningful observation, that people voted improperly in the state, and that some people were offered improper incentives to vote. Under Nevada law, parties to the case may take depositions of any witnesses. The court must hold a hearing in five to ten days. Clark County Registrar Gloria has said his staff has forwarded isolated complaints about alleged voter fraud to the Secretary of State for further investigation. Overall, he says he is confident in the county's election system. Nevada Democratic Party Chairman William McCurdy said that challenges alleging fraud in Clark County should be regarded as attempts to discredit the electoral process. Well, that's too strong. Okay, how about this? How about they have to show evidence? If they don't show evidence, then that's not a good thing. They have to show evidence. The Nevada Secretary of State's office has not commented. That process will be moving forward. Meanwhile, We'll get to Pennsylvania in just one second. Plus, we have to get to Michigan, which became a hotspot of contention last night. First, let's talk about the fact that the human eye, not meant to look at blue, blue light from screens all day. Right? It's just not. In fact, when the human eye was created by God or by evolution or both, well, it turns out that the eye was not made to look at screens, right? Screens did not exist. We created them for ourselves. Well, that means that artificial blue light can really screw with your sleep quality. It can give you headaches. This is why you need Felix Gray, Felix Gray makes eyewear for everywhere. Modern lenses to help manage our digital lives. Felix Gray glasses filter 15 times more blue light from, from screens than other clear blue light lenses. The original optical lenses relieve most eye strain symptoms from daily screen time. The more advanced sleep glasses relieve serious daily eye strain and were especially designed for late night screen time to improve sleep. Felix Gray features highly curated timeless styles made from Italian acetate for stylish, durable, lightweight, super comfortable glasses I know because I have these glasses. Industry-leading blue light lenses Come standard at 95 bucks, or you can add a prescription at checkout starting at 145 bucks. Okay, this is not going to cost you a fortune, and it's going to save your eyes. It's going to save you from headaches. It's going to make you sleep better. Join the 250,000 people that report noticeable relief from screen time with their glasses. If you don't love those glasses, in the first 30 days, their in-house customer care team will take care of exchanges and returns as well. Shop 15% off through Black Friday and Cyber Monday. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben to shop better blue light glasses at their best price ever. That is F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y glasses.com slash Ben. Felixgrayglasses.com slash Ben for 15% off site-wide through Black Friday slash Cyber Monday. Free shipping, free returns, free exchanges. Felixgrayglasses.com. Go check them out right now. Okay, so meanwhile, in Pennsylvania, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court threw out one of the Trump campaign's post-election complaints Tuesday. This is according to NBC News, ruling that officials in Philadelphia did not violate state law by maintaining at least 15 feet of separation between observers and the workers counting the ballots. Okay, so that was one of the claims that had been made is that it had not amounted to effective observation if you were forced to stand 15 feet back thanks to COVID regulations. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court says if it applies to everybody, then it is not, in fact, an equal protection concern, right? It's not you're saying to Republicans, you have to stand 20 feet back and Democrats can be one foot up on the person. Now, this was a, an equally applied rule, neutrally applied rule is what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court says. The ruling is likely to undercut the Trump campaign's case in federal court, where Rudy Giuliani joined a hearing on Tuesday afternoon to argue on behalf of President Trump's effort to contest the election results in Pennsylvania. Republican observers said they were kept so far back behind a waist-high fence they couldn't see any of the details on ballot envelopes or reach conclusions about whether vote counting procedures were correctly followed. The Trump campaign sued. A state appeals court said observers were not given enough access. It ordered the county to move the fence closer to the counting tables. The state Supreme Court reversed that ruling by a vote of five to two. It said that Pennsylvania law requires only that observers must be allowed in the room where ballots are counted, but does not set a minimum distance between them and the counting table. The legislature left it up to county election boards to make these decisions, according to the court. 
In the case of Philadelphia, the local board, quote, fashioned these rules based on its careful consideration of how it could best protect the security and privacy of voter ballots, as well as safeguard its employees and others who would be present during the pandemic. Our Republican observer, Jeremy Mercer, testified during lower court proceedings. He could see employees removing ballots from the security envelopes, but could not read any markings in the outer envelopes. Tuesday's ruling said state law does not allow observers to make challenges while votes are being counted. Okay, so that is a a dicey ruling. It definitely is. I mean, if the legislature says that you have to be able to observe and then Philadelphia is like, you know what? By observe, we are going to put you at one end of this hockey arena and you're in the same room, so that's okay. You can be there with binoculars and we'll be all the way over here counting the votes. That obviously is no good. Now, a similar case has been filed in federal court under equal protection claims. We'll see how well that does. Chief Justice Thomas Saylor dissented, writing that he would have declared the case moot given the counting is nearly done. And he said the state legislature is signaling there'll be an intense after-action review of the no-excuse mail-in voting regime. He also said it was misguided to argue that presumptively valid ballots cast by the Pennsylvania electorate would be disregarded based on isolated procedural irregularities. So the Trump campaign was looking for a remedy in the entire Pennsylvania state vote not being certified. Okay, now again, you have to prove more than my guys were a little far away in order to invalidate the state count of a state like Pennsylvania, which is an enormous state with a lot, a lot of people who voted. Meanwhile, Giuliani appeared in court. This is the first time that Giuliani has appeared as a registered lawyer in court since apparently 1992, when I was eight years old, uh, which shows that the the Trump team uh, is um, is desperate for legal help at this point. I mean, just to be perfectly frank about this, Rudy uh, is it was a very good mayor of New York. I'm not sure that he would be your first legal pick. Rudy was representing the Trump campaign at a hearing on a lawsuit. He said observers in Philadelphia were kept at bay by, quote unquote, the Democratic machine. He said it was part of, quote, widespread nationwide voter fraud. Okay, this resulted in both the judge and the opposing counsel chiding Rudy Giuliani, according to the New York Daily News. So Giuliani appeared and he said that the he said that the Democratic mafia had essentially stolen the election by shifting more than one million illegal votes to Joe Biden. Apparently, he didn't talk much about the legal case. He said the best description of this situation is widespread nationwide voter fraud. This is not an isolated case. This is a case that is repeated in at least 10 other jurisdictions. Uh, Giuliani said, the point is, Your Honor, this is not an accident. You have to be a fool to think this was an accident. He said that Democratic officials in Pennsylvania saw to it that only their quote-unquote little mafia were allowed to count ballots in the November 3rd election and that roughly 1.5 million votes should be invalidated as a result. Now, it is worth noting here that Trump actually overperformed in Philadelphia compared to 2016. It is one of the few cities where Trump actually did better in 2020 than he did in 2016. A lot of the other cities, he did not. In Philadelphia, he actually did by the vote count. Daniel Donovan, an attorney appearing on behalf of Pennsylvania Secretary of State Kathy Bukvar, the lead defendant in the case, pointed out the Trump campaign's lawsuit didn't even include allegations of fraud. So why exactly was Giuliani talking about it? That, that's correct. The, the Trump team did remove allegations of voter fraud from their original filing in this case. Instead, they were arguing basically that ballots that were being counted without a postmark after the election date should not be counted. The problem there is there aren't enough of those ballots to actually shift the direction of the election in Pennsylvania, given that the current vote tabulation has Joe Biden, uh, Joe Biden up by about 70,000 votes in Pennsylvania. The judge signaled he was not super impressed. He said, how can this result possibly be justified, suggesting this would be Giuliani's claim that millions of Pennsylvania voters should have their ballots tossed. And then Giuliani said this isn't a fraud case. And he said the Trump campaign only wants illegal ballots scratched. So it's kind of a mess. We'll see where all of that comes out. Meanwhile, there was another uh, moment of, uh, un- of uncertainty and chaos last night in Michigan's Wayne County. So apparently, two Republicans on Michigan's Wayne County Board of Canvassers, was involved, they were involved in a brief deadlock in the county's election certification process. So 
They were given the deadline of late last night to actually certify the election result from Wayne County. Wayne County, of course, includes Detroit. Okay, and the board of canvassers is split 2-2. It is a it is a partisan office, and there are two Democrats and two Republicans on the board of canvassers. Two of the Republicans voted originally to not certify the election result from Wayne County based on allegations of voter fraud and voter irregularities. Now, the evidence of voter fraud and voter irregularities definitely exists in Wayne County. The question is whether, again, it is of the size and scope to actually change the outcome of the election, number one. And number two, you know, compared to the generalized voting population, how large is it? Uh, you're always going to be able to find cases of voter irregularity and voter fraud. You are. Just any sample size, if it's large enough, is going to include flawed samples. It is going to include voter... This is why when you see the media and Democrats saying there is no such thing as voter fraud, there are no voter irregularities, that's, that's just crazy. Obviously, there are instances of voter fraud. There are instances of voter irregularities. Typically, they do not amount to the tens of thousands, let alone the hundreds of thousands, but they obviously exist. Well, last night, the Wayne County Board of Canvassers split 2-2 on certifying the election. Then a couple hours later, they reversed themselves. They sided with the Democratic colleagues, and they leveraged from the Michigan Secretary of State a, a commitment to audit the vote, right? In the same way that Georgia is currently auditing the vote, which of course is the proper solution. You want to audit the vote. You want to get all the votes checked. You want to make sure that they all came in the right way. Now, is that going to reverse the result in Michigan? Probably not. I mean, Joe Biden is about 150,000 votes in Michigan. That's a huge gap. That is not a gap that's going to be filled by Wayne County. It's not a gap that's going to be filled by, by voter fraud or voter irregularity, absent, again, some sort of systemic exposed system of corruption, that, that is brought to light. Barring Sidney Powell actually releasing the Kraken that apparently is being hidden, barring that happening, the vote in Michigan is probably not going to shift. And so the legal strategy here apparently is that the entire state of Michigan should not certify its vote or something. That's not going to happen. Again, nor barring extraordinary evidence. With extraordinary evidence, sure, right? If, there's, if there is real evidence of significant widespread voter fraud amounting to tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of votes, then of course you're going to have to disregard an election. This has happened in other elections in smaller scale. We had this happen in a case in North Carolina, for example, where ballot harvesting by a hired hand of apparently a Republican campaign led to election uncertainty and they redid the vote. Okay, you could have something like that, but the evidence has to actually be there, right? You actually have to show the evidence. I keep, I get a lot of flack for saying I want to see evidence, but again, my, my standards on this stuff are very, very consistent. I want evidence across the board on everything from police shooting cases to voter fraud. You have to actually support your allegations with evidence. Hey, Kaylee McEnany announced earlier on Twitter there were 234 pages of sworn affidavits that raised allegations of fraud in Wayne County. And the Blazes' Leon Wolf did go through those allegations. And what he found is that under 1,000 votes were actually affected by those voter allegations. A lot of those voter allegations were things like people were being mean to me at the balloting places, which is bad and not good practice, but is not enough to actually invalidate the votes of presumably over a million people in Wayne County. There are a bunch of, um, there are a bunch of, Republicans who came out and praised the two canvassers who were Republicans on the board, um, which, again, if they held this thing up just so they can get an audit, then really they do deserve applause, right? I mean, if they said we are going to not certify this election until we get a commitment from the state to audit the election, good for them. John James, the Republican Senate candidate from the state who's black, he applauded them for their bravery. Laura Cox, the Michigan Republican Party's chairwoman, also said in a statement there appeared to be enough evidence of irregularity and potential voter fraud to, to affect all of this. And then President Trump tweeted, wow, Michigan just refused to certify the election results. Having courage is a beautiful thing. The USA stands proud. Well, that, that's not actually what happened, right? Basically, the Michigan Board of Canvassers held up for a couple of hours uh, the Michigan vote certification so that they could get a commitment to actually audit the vote and ensure that everything is being done on the up and up. 
Then they obviously reversed themselves uh, and went ahead and voted with the Democrats in order to in order to move forward with the certification of the election in Wayne County. So that is the latest. We'll bring you more on that in just one moment. First, let's talk about a truly meaningful gift. So over my mantle in my home hangs a picture. That picture is a portrait. It's a beautiful portrait of me and my wife and two of our three children. Well, now it's time for us to re-up. Where are we going to go to get that portrait re-upped, a new portrait with my little tiny squishy baby? We are going to go over to Paint Your Life because that's where we went in the first place. It's just fantastic. You can get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. This makes a fantastic holiday gift, particularly for mom and dad. You can send any picture, yourself, your kids, family, a special place, a cherished pet, or you can combine photos into one painting. With Paint Your Life's compilation portraits, you can bring together family members who never had the chance to meet, or you can create a portrait of the whole family without the need for everyone to be there for a family photo. They can choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. You can order a custom-made, hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It's a quick and easy process. You get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks. It's meaningful. It's personal. It can be cherished forever. It's beautiful. I mean, again, we have it like right dead center in our den. At paintyourlife.com, there is no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded. Go check them out right now and get a special offer. Text the word Ben to 64000. Again, text the word Ben to 64000. And as limited time offer, you get 20% off your painting. 20% off and free shipping. Text the word Ben to 64000 to get started with my friends over at Paint Your Life. Okay, so again, the Wayne County Board of Canvassers, they kind of switched their mind last night. They changed course Tuesday night. They did certify the result of the election. That deadlock decision had been lauded by Republicans and decried by Democrats after a lengthy public comment session. The vote was described as a targeted attack on Detroit, of course. After hours of angry responses from Wayne County residents, the change in course was approved by two Republicans and the two Democrats with the demand that the Secretary of State's office conduct a comprehensive audit of precincts with unexplained out-of-balance tallies. So my understanding of out-of-balance tallies is that people filed for absentee ballots and then the number of absentee ballots that came in did not match the number of absentee ballots that were in fact requested. So they want an audit to make sure that that is uh, that all of that is legit. Uh, apparently, the Republicans listened to the comments and they went ahead and certified the vote. In August, canvassers found 72 percent of Detroit's absentee voting precincts didn't match the number of ballots cast. The imbalances between August and November are not an exact comparison since August canvassing was based on results from 503 precincts. November's canvassing was based on 134 counting boards. The same situation in August, earlier imbalances in 2016, those were not enough to keep the same board from certifying the results in this year's primary and November 2016. The board's votes came after the absentee ballot poll books at 70% of Detroit's 134 absentee counting boards were found to be out of balance without explanation. The mismatch varied anywhere from more from one to more than four votes. Right, so the number of absentee ballots that were actually cast were not the numbers that were actually taken down in the logs. And those discrepancies were like one to four votes in 134 absentee counting boards. Again, that shifts hundreds of votes. It doesn't shift thousands of votes, let alone tens of thousands or the 150,000 votes that Trump is in deficit. So there should be a full scale. Again, all claims of voter irregularities and voter fraud should be fully investigated. Certifying a vote, saying that the vote is not based largely in, on voter fraud or voter irregularity is appropriate so long as you're also calling for an audit at the time. Okay. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal writing about the, the rage about Dominion voting, right? A lot, a lot of talk about Dominion voting. The suggestion is that Dominion voting is the software system that is used in some 28 states, including a bevy of Republican states. Right? Texas doesn't use Dominion, but there are a bunch of red states that do use Dominion. According to the Wall Street Journal, what seems to have launched the theory that Dominion voting screwed around with the vote was an earlier misreport 
of Antrim, in Antrim County, Michigan. In 2016, Trump won 62% of its 13,600 ballots. Eyebrows rose this year when initial tallies showed Biden up by 3,000. In reality, Trump won 61% of Antrim County. The unofficial reporting was wrong. The underlying votes were counted correctly. Officials later explained that in October, the county had to tweak the ballot information for two local races. Tabulated machines in the affected areas were updated, but some others weren't. On election day, the differing data didn't line up right after being merged. The printouts from the tabulators did show accurate totals. In any case, the Michigan Secretary of State's office said the error would have been identified during that county canvas when Democrats and Republicans review the printed totals tape from each tabulator. Then there was another problem with the Dominion module in Gwinnett County, Georgia, apparently. Officials had trouble with the Dominion module for adjudicating absentee ballots if the voter put a check mark in the circle instead of filling it in. Some adjudicated ballots said the county were displayed as in progress but would not move over to be accepted. The county ended up re-adjudicating some votes until November 5th, which is basically, they, they, it looks like they fixed the problem. A couple of counties in Georgia had trouble with electronic poll books, but that would not really affect vote totals. It would affect wait times at precincts. And then, of course, there's footage from a House hearing a few years ago where a Princeton computer science professor named Andrew Appel said voting machines could theoretically be hacked. But just because a system is vulnerable does not mean that it actually was hacked. Now, here's something to remember about Dominion. Okay, there's been a lot of talk about Dominion and its ties. We'll get to that in one second. Dominion makes hundreds of millions of dollars a year by selling its voting systems. If they were that vulnerable to hack, if those Dominion voting systems were, in fact, that easy to be gamed to the effect that millions of votes were tabulated the wrong way, not only is that company bankrupt, it is sued into the ground and everybody goes to jail. I mean, especially if there was fraud involved, people are going to jail, right? So the, the incentives don't really align to be in the, the, voting, the voting system business and then create a voting system that can be easily rigged by somebody from the outside, especially when you sell these things all over the world, particularly in Western democracies. And so if there are problems with, again, full investigation, full evidence, possibility of fraud is not the same thing as fraud. Just as what I've said the same exact thing. I'm being perfectly consistent here. I've said the same exact thing. When a white officer shoots a, a black suspect, the possibility of racism is there. Does that mean that it's an actual racist incident? No, I need actual evidence. The thing that you say happened, happened. The same thing is true here. We'll get to more on Dominion in just one second, because I think it's important that we all have the proper up-to-date information so that we can tell what is true and what is not and where there are real suspicions and where the suspicions are overblown and so that we can actually accurately make our, our vote counts better and we can ensure that voter fraud and voter irregularity did not decide this election. I understand people being really upset about the outcome and I understand people being really suspicious of the outcome of the election. I understand that a lot of people went to sleep on Tuesday night and Trump was in the lead in all these states. They woke up the next morning and all of a sudden Trump's way behind. And people go, what the hell just happened? Why were you pausing the machines in the middle of the night? Like, what exactly was going on? I understand the suspicion. Suspicion is worthwhile. Unjustified suspicion based on lack of evidence, that's a different question. So we need more evidence, more evidence, right? Again, I want to get Sidney Powell on the program so she can explain exactly what releasing the Kraken will look like here. I think it's really, really important that we have all the information possible because, again, election integrity really, really does matter. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, Let's talk about something incredible, a meaningful gift. Out in your garage, you have a bunch of old photos that are falling apart. You have a bunch of old films that are moldering. You have a bunch of old VHS tapes you're never going to watch again. Why not get all of that transferred over to digital? Right? Put it on a thumb drive, put it on a DVD. Now you can access all of it. I just did this for my parents. It is absolutely awesome. They had a bunch of old film reels of my great-grandparents, and they'd never been able to, to see those before. We took them. We sent them into Legacy Box. Legacy Box digitized all of them and sent it back to us. And now we can access our family memories. It's pretty incredible. With Legacy Box, you can reclaim all the priceless footage you have not been able to see in years. 
Their service could not be simpler. You use their kits to safely send the moments you want preserved. Their team then creates a digital archive by hand. You receive your new copies stored on the cloud, a thumb drive or DVD, along with the original media you sent them. With their tracking system, you can monitor every step of the process so you always know your originals are being taken care of. Over the past 10 years, Legacy Box has helped over 1 million families restore and protect their most cherished memories. And right now, they're offering 50% off. You can have everything preserved at once for a fraction of the price. Go to LegacyBox.com Shapiro to take advantage of this limited time offer and get 50% off. You shouldn't wait to digitize all those amazing memories. Every day that goes by, something bad could happen to them out in your garage. Plus, you're missing a day where you could share that stuff with friends and family. Take advantage of this exclusive offer. Use the kit now. Send it in whenever you're ready. Go to LegacyBox.com slash Shapiro. Say 50% while supplies last. It's one of the best things I've done for my parents. Go check them out right now. LegacyBox.com for the special offer. Okay, so back to the talk about Dominion. There's been talk about Dominion and its connections to Democrats. Uh, the company in 2014, according to the Wall Street Journal, did agree to donate voting machines to emerging and post-conflict democracies via a Clinton Foundation initiative. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, obviously, they were sending faulty voting machines that could be gained by the Clinton Foundation. The company says it has no ownership relationships with, quote, any member of the Pelosi family, the Feinstein family, or the Clinton Global Initiative. There's also talk that Dominion has ties with Smartmatic, a company that supplied voting systems in Venezuela, where the ruling regime manipulates elections. Both of the companies openly deny this. Smartmatic says, quote, it has never provided Dominion voting systems with any software, hardware, or other technology. Dominion says they, quote, do not collaborate in any way and have no affiliate relationships or financial ties. In 2009, Dominion says Smartmatic, quote, licensed Dominion machines for use in Philippines, but the contract ended in a lawsuit. This does not mean there are not problems with Dominion. It does mean you're going to have to do better than simply saying that Dominion voting machines are suspicious because of ownership structure or they are suspicious because we are concerned that people have said there's possibility of vulnerability. Again, possibility of fraud is very real. It means that maybe we shouldn't be using these voting systems in the future if you are deeply worried those possibilities could manifest. But just as Democrats in 2004 were saying that Diebolt voting machines were hacked, and it turns out that that was not the case, if you're actually going to show that something bad happened here, you have to show that the bad thing happened, not that the possibility of the bad thing happened, particularly if you're talking about not certifying votes or if you're talking about throwing this thing to legislatures to select electors or something like that. You got to actually show evidence that the election ought to be. I mean, these are major things we're talking about, right? If you're talking about overturning an actual election, then what you have to talk about is are the allegations backed by evidence sufficient to merit that response, right? That is always the legal question. It would be the legal question if Democrats were doing this to Republicans, obviously. Okay, so all of this culminated yesterday in the president firing uh, the the cybersecurity chief uh, over at the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, so he, he ousted Chris Krebs. According to USA Today, the Department of Homeland Security cyber chief who presided over an elaborate election security effort guarding against foreign interference and fraud was ousted by President Trump on Tuesday as part of a continuing post-election purge of top national security officials. Trump announced the dismissal in two tweets on Tuesday night. Twitter flagged both tweets with labels saying this claim about election fraud is disputed. Who cares what Twitter says? I mean, honestly, like Twitter, by the way, Twitter is so full of crap. Seriously, Twitter is super duper full of crap. And the reason I say this, my business partner, Jeremy Boring, decided to perform an experiment yesterday on Twitter. He tweeted out, Stacey Abrams is the legitimate governor of Georgia. She only lost because of voter fraud and voter suppression. Okay, that is absolutely untrue. She is not the legitimate governor of Georgia. She did not lose because of voter fraud and voter suppression. It was not flagged by Twitter, right? And it is all, it, when, when it says this claim about election fraud is disputed, right? This is the kind of warning that Twitter has been putting on people's messages, particularly Trump's. It just doesn't apply if a Democrat does it. So Twitter is full of crap, but that's a different story. We'll get to the full of crapness of Twitter and Facebook in just one second. First, 
The dismissal of Christopher Krebs, according to USA Today, director of DHS's Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, follows the agency's declaration that the general election was the most secure in U.S. history. President Trump disagreed, and President Trump tweeted out the recent statement by Chris Krebs on the security of the 2020 election was highly inaccurate and that there were massive improprieties and fraud, including dead people voting, poll watchers not allowed into polling locations, glitches in the voting machines, which changed, excuse me, which changed votes from Trump to Biden, late voting, and many more. Therefore, effective immediately, Chris Krebs has been terminated as director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. So it's not that Trump thinks that, that Krebs did a bad job protecting the election. He doesn't like that Krebs said that he did a good job in protecting the election because obviously Trump is saying, I still have lawsuits outstanding. And he's saying, I still have you know claims that I am making currently in court and you're undercutting those claims and those claims are still under dispute. Now, the, the cybersecurity agency that Krebs is heading up, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, uh, they put out a statement earlier this week saying, there's no evidence that any voting system deleted or lost votes, changed votes, or was in any way compromised. All the states with close results in the 2020 presidential race have paper records of each vote, allowing the ability to go back and count each ballot if necessary. This is an added benefit for security and resilience. This process allows for the identification and correction of any mistakes or errors. And then uh, Krebs tweeted out after Trump fired him, honored to serve, we did it right, defend today, secure tomorrow. Krebs, I mean, literally his job was to defend the election security system. So you would imagine he would defend his own job, right? He would defend what kind of a job, like, does that mean he's right? Mm, I mean, I don't know if he's right. I, I uh, until there is further evidence, you have to assume that the election was not victimized by millions and millions of, of fraudulent votes or hacked voting machines or something like that. But of course, he's going to defend what he did, right? I mean, he was the head of the DHS's you know, cybersecurity agency. He tweeted out, on allegations that election systems were manipulated, 59 election security experts all agree. In every case of which we are aware, these claims either have been unsubstantiated or are technically incoherent. Krebs was expecting to be fired as recently as last week, according to Politico. This prompted a wave of criticism from both sides of the aisle, uh, with uh, obviously the usual Democrats criticizing all of this, um, but also some of the Republicans criticizing this as well. Now, Krebs was a Trump hire, right? Krebs did not serve in the in Democratic administration. He was not a holdover from the Obama era. Krebs joined DHS in March 2017. He served as senior advisor on cybersecurity and infrastructure protection. He was tasked with safeguarding national cyber networks along with maintaining the country's essential operations in the face of increasing attempts by foreign adversaries to disrupt the government. The nation's vulnerability was made clear in 2016 when, quote-unquote, quote Russia sought to undermine the general election, according to USA Today. So we're still going to go with the myth that Russia undermined the general election in 2016 in some significant way. Um, but we have to be assured that this election is perfectly clean and wondrous. Now, should Trump be firing people for saying that sort of stuff? Presumably not. I mean, the guy is defending the job that he did, obviously. Does that mean that the election is pure and clean? We don't know yet. Again, all of the evidence still has to be presented. So present the evidence, guys. Now is the time. Less legal wrangling and legal maneuvering, less kind of open allegations of the possibility. And now we need the evidence. You're talking about hundreds of millions of people. You're talking about 150 million people voted in this last election. You're talking about millions of people voting in Pennsylvania and Arizona and Georgia and Michigan. And if you're going to overturn the results in these particular states, you need to actually show the evidence now. Right? No more of the pitching this stuff on national TV, more of the evidence showing. Right? That, that, that doesn't seem like a big ask. In fact, it seems like a pretty good thing for the country, for every, everybody to put their cards on the table at this particular point in time. And none of that is to suggest, of course, that there's not voter fraud or voter irregularities. I've said 1,000 times there absolutely is, but it has to be up to a certain level of effectiveness in order for it to affect the outcome of elections that have 
huge numbers of people voting. Again, the deficit in Pennsylvania right now is 70,000. Okay, we can always make the elections cleaner, and we should. Full audits should be available of all of these states. We should go through every ballot tabulated. We should make sure that everybody who legally voted is counted and everybody who legally voted is not counted. Right? That's all. I, we should all be on the same page about all of this. But if you're talking about we need to overturn the results of an entire election in a particular state or disenfranchise the voters of Michigan or Pennsylvania or Nevada or Arizona or Georgia, we need to see the actual evidence. Now is the time. Now is the time. So bring the evidence forth. Sunlight is the best disinfectant. More sunlight, more sunlight. Okay, so we'll get to more of this in just one second. Facebook and Twitter, we're on the hill again. And the Democratic agenda here is absolutely clear. The Democratic agenda is to ensure that nobody they disagree with is ever allowed to talk again. We'll get to that in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that there are a lot of people out there who are seeking to put malware on your computer, ransomware, right? Things that are designed to make your life miserable and steal your data or hold up your data so that you pay them. It really is ugly stuff. If you've ever been hit by malware, it can absolutely ruin your life. PCmatic, it's a next-generation antivirus designed to stop modern threats like ransomware. Independent testing firm AV Test just named PCmatic as a top performer in the cybersecurity industry, giving it the Best Performance Award for 2019. Only PCmatic has American research, development, and support. PCmatic's competition is foreign-made, often in countries where malware originates. PCmatic blocks annoying and malicious ads for hassle-free web browsing and makes your computer faster and more reliable even after years of use. PCmatic protects Windows computers, including XP, Vista, Windows 7, 8, and 10, Windows servers, Macs, MacBooks, and Android phones and tablets. PCmatic is just 50 bucks for five devices for one year, with a full 30-day money-back guarantee. If you act now, PCmatic has offered my listeners a free month of security protection with the purchase of an annual license. Again, you're making a big mistake if you're not protecting yourself from malware or ransomware or stuff like, I mean, really is horrifying stuff when it hits you. Make sure you're protected. Go access this offer at PCmatic.com. Slash Ben again to get world class security that keeps your computer running great. Go to pcmatic.com slash Ben. Okay, we're going to get to more of the news in just one second, including the Democrats grilling Facebook and Twitter on the Hill. Republicans went at them too. First, if you're not disgusted by the establishment media, you should be. And the simple fact of the matter is that this, the, the media threw the election to Joe Biden. If the media had not been out there stumping every day against Donald Trump, if the media had not spent the last several years undermining Trump and suggesting that Joe Biden was clean as the driven snow and not reporting on any of Joe Biden's improprieties, then Biden would have lost that election. Just because the media declare a narrative to be true does not actually mean that it is true. It just means they are pushing a narrative. So now it is time for you to fight back. What is the best way for you to fight back against the mainstream establishment media narrative to replace them? Okay, you need to cut your cable right now and you need to go and subscribe to Daily Wire. Our goal is to replace the media and provide you with narratives that are true, to provide you with facts that happen to be true and not colored by the leftist view of the universe. We have huge plans to replace the media over the next four years. It starts today. Candace Owens, the New York Times bestselling author and founder of the Blexit Foundation, is joining The Daily Wire. She'll be launching a brand new show with us early next year. We couldn't be more excited about it. We're also launching an entertainment channel, a new investigative journalism team, building partnerships with like-minded content creators like PragerU, whose entire show library will be available to Daily Wire members by the end of the year. We're going after the legacy media. We're going to do it by building a huge membership base of supporters like you. Right now, just to show you we're serious, we're offering 25% off all memberships with code ELECTION over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Members get our articles ad-free, access to all of our live broadcasts and show library, the full three hours of the Ben Shapiro Show, exclusive Reader's Pass content available only to our Daily Wire members. If you're considering an all-access membership, you get to join us on All Access Live every night for live stream discussions with our hosts and an amazing online community. You also get not one, but two Leftist Tears tumblers with your membership, as well as early, sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products. So remember, that's 25% off all memberships with code ELECTION over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Replace the legacy media with Daily Wire. 
You won't regret it, and you'll be making the country a better place just by doing it. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. All righty. So meanwhile, Facebook and Twitter appearing on the Hill. And you can see the different agendas of the Republicans and Democrats when it comes to Facebook and Twitter. Republicans are saying, you guys really should allow people to speak their minds on your platforms. I mean, this is what your platforms were created for. And Democrats are like, you know what you should really do? You should use your massive social media power to ensure that no one is ever able to express their opinion if we don't like their opinion. It's incredibly obvious that Democrats are seeking to enjoin conservatives from expressing their opinion or disseminating information they don't like. So Richard Blumenthal, idiot senator from Connecticut, he actually demanded that Mark Zuckerberg ban Steve Bannon. And Zuckerberg's like, do you have like grounds for banning Steve Bannon? And, and Blumenthal's like, I don't like him. We're not going to like, well, what if we just don't let him on the, on the system? That'd be great. Democrats see social media as a way of quashing their opposition. And they are angry that places like Facebook allow their opposition to exist. So they've made it impossible for any Republican. The media have made it impossible for any open Republican to work at a mainstream publication. And then when you form a different kind of publication like Daily Wire and you disseminate your information through social media like Twitter or Facebook, Democrats are like, you know, it'd be great if we shut that down, too. Here's Richard Blumenthal trying to do this yesterday. How many times has Steve Bannon allowed the call for the murder of government officials before Facebook suspends his account? Senator, as you say, the content in question did violate our policies and we took it down. Will you commit to taking down that account, Steve Bannon's account? Senator, no, it's, that, that's not what our policies would suggest that we should do. Again, Zuckerberg at least is being consistent there. You can see how he's getting browbeaten by members of the Democratic Party, which is the great irony here. What you are seeing from Facebook's internals, what you're seeing from, from the leaked reports about what's going on inside Facebook, is that Facebook is being bullied by the left to comply with the left in the assumption that people on the right are going to be in favor of free speech and free enterprise and defend them even as they quash speech from the right. It ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Anyway, Chris Coons from Delaware, right? He does the same thing. He says, I want Facebook and I, and I want Twitter to censor climate denialism. He says, can you guys please, you know, shut down anybody's ability to speak about their doubts about climate change solutions proposed by the left? The Democrats are all in favor of censorship. You think these are your free speech protectors? Good luck. You do, Mr. Dorsey, have um, policies against uh, deep fakes or manipulated media, against COVID-19 misinformation, against um, things that violate civic integrity, but you don't have a standalone climate change misinformation policy. I'd urge you to reconsider that because helping uh, to disseminate climate denialism, in my view, um, further facilitates and accelerates one of the greatest existential threats to our world. Okay, I mean, this is crazy. So he's saying that if you don't agree with my perspective on climate change, I want woke Rasputin over here, Jack Dorsey, to actually stop that information from being disseminated. The Democrats are very clear in what they want here. The Democrats are very clear. They want a, a single party system, a single party dominating your methods of informational dissemination. This is how they got Joe Biden elected. This is what they hope to do. They hope to use social media as a weapon to siphon off all of the possible information they don't like and make it and make it go away, disappear into the ether. Democrats cannot be trusted with free speech principles. If they had their way, you would not be able to listen to shows like this one. And you're going to see this weaponized, not just by social media companies. You're going to see it weaponized by credit card companies. There will come a point here. Here's my prediction. There will come a point at which credit card companies under pressure from woke staffers and from members of Democratic Congress decide that they are simply not going to allow you to charge on your credit card anything they don't like. So if you decide that you're going to subscribe to Daily Wire, there will come a point 
where your credit card company says, you can't because they're conservative and we don't like that. Or you want to buy a gun with your credit card. A credit card company will say, nope, you can't do that. You can't use your charge card for that. And the predictable result of that will be that there will be right-wing credit cards and left-wing credit cards. The left is so determined to wish everybody they don't like out into the cornfield, all they're going to do is create entire new right-wing ecosystems. That's all that's going to happen. There will be two parallel systems. You'll only be able to go to the right-wing restaurant or the left-wing restaurant. You'll only be able to go to the right-wing credit card or the left-wing credit card. You're only going to be able to go over to Parlor because Twitter is going to ban you, right? I mean, this is the way that the left wants things to be. And then they complain that those alternative systems even exist, right? They complain that Parlor is even a thing. And they're whining about how so many people are joining Parlor. Yes, it turns out when you weaponize a social media company against people you disagree with, those people will leave and go find an alternative method of talking with one another. Maisie Hirono, the stupidest person in the United States Senate, she is a complete and utter dud uh, intellectually. And the, the senator from Hawaii, she slammed Facebook. Why? Because they allowed the Daily Caller fact-checking site to be included in their fact-checkers. Now, as I have mentioned, when it comes to social media, social media do something deeply corrupt. They outsource all of their political predilections to the fact-checkers. So what they do is they go to PolitiFact or Snopes or factcheck.org, all left-wing sites, the Washington Post fact-checker, all left-wing sites who very often are not even checking facts. Very often these fact-checks will say things like, well, sure, what the Republican was saying here was, was factually true, but it backs a false narrative. Right? And then they will use that as, as a rationale for downgrading particular news sites. So we've had this experience with, for example, there's a, a site called NewsGuard. NewsGuard, has downgraded our site, not because what we report is false, but we report things that are mistaken sometimes, just like CNN does. They've downgraded us because we are openly an opinion site that also does news reporting. So what they do, these social media companies, they outsource to places like NewsGuard to decide whether an outlet is good or not. And naturally, NewsGuard decides that left-wing outlets and establishment media outlets, those are good, and everybody on the right is bad. Okay, so they're doing the same thing with the fact-checkers. Facebook actually does allow one quote-unquote right-wing fact-checker, that'd be the Daily Caller. Maisie Hirono's like, well, we shouldn't allow that. There shouldn't be any fact-checkers on the right. And in fact, the Daily Caller is a white supremacist site, which of course the Daily Caller is not, but Maisie Hirono is, an, is, is a complete moron. So here she is. Early in 2019, Facebook selected the Daily Caller, another site with white nationalist ties to be one of its third-party fact-checkers. And this is where I, I, I'm really wondering at one point, at what point you will stop giving in to baseless claims of anti-conservative bias and start exercising your control over Facebook to stop driving division and actually, to quote you, build community and bring the world closer together, end quote, as you claim is Facebook's mission. It's ridiculous. So they want to make sure that all the fact checkers are left-wing fact checkers so that they can launder their left-wing views through the fact checkers and then just say, hey, look, the fact checkers say the site's bad, so we're just not going to allow the site anymore. How, how ridiculous is Maisie Hirono? She cited media matters to suggest that Facebook and Twitter are not biased against conservatives. Media matters. Okay, media matters is a, is a political action organization started by Hillary Clinton and David Brock with the explicit design of protecting the Clintons. It is, a, it is an organization that dedicates its time to listening to shows like this one, clipping things out of context, and then attempting to make them trend via echo chamber on Twitter so they can go after advertisers. They're a left-wing front group. Okay, they've always been a left-wing group. The, the attempt to use media matters as some sort of objective news verifier when it comes to Facebook and Twitter. Like, hey, if media matters says that, that Facebook and Twitter aren't biased against conservatives, well, then it must be true. And that, that, that's legitimately like me citing the Epic Times to the idea that left-wingers never experience hardship in the United States. Like, what are you talking about? That's an overtly partisan group. It's not like they make any bones about it. Here's Maisie Hirono being an idiot, as, as she is wont to do. 
everyone who has systematically looked at the content of social media, from Media Matters to the Cato Institute to former Republican Senator John Kyle, has found absolutely no evidence of anti-conservative bias. And data from Proud Tangle show that far-right content from the likes of Fox News, Ben Shapiro, David Bongino dominates the daily top 10 most engaged pages on Facebook. Okay, well, the reason that we dominate on Facebook is because there are like three of us. If you actually look at the sites that have the most traffic via via Facebook, it is at least mostly establishment media sites, right? It is it is mainstream media sites. That is that is what they are, right? They, they get a lot of their traffic from Facebook. They spend millions of dollars on Facebook every month. Okay, the, the, the idea that that right wingers are not biased against on Facebook, I can tell I can tell you this. You can look at the quote unquote top 10 in terms of reach. The reach on my page has been artificially suppressed over the last two months. Okay, this is perfectly clear. We can see it happening in real time. And the reason it was suppressed is because people like Maisie Hirono and Kevin Roos decided they were going to yell at Facebook until they suppressed that. So the people who have not yet been suppressed are people like Dan Bongino, right? Dan knows that it's coming for him too, which is why he has started alternative social media sites. But this is the whole point. The whole point is that the Democratic left does not want you to be able to consume information that you are interested in consuming. And the woke staffers inside these various organizations are all for it. They are all for the use of these social media platforms as ways to cram down the left-wing point of view. Right? This is a point that, uh, that Ted Cruz made to Jack Dorsey because Dorsey has been labeling things misinformation on voter fraud. So Cruz was like, um, so are you an expert on voter fraud? Why is it that only some posts get labeled misinformation on voter fraud and not others? Does voter fraud exist? I, I don't know for certain. Are you an expert in voter fraud? No, I'm not. Well, why then is Twitter right now putting purported warnings on virtually any statement about voter fraud? We're we're simply linking to a broader conversation so that people have more information. No, no, you're not. You put up a page that says, quote, voter fraud of any kind is exceedingly rare in the United States. That's not linking to a broader conversation. That's taking a disputed policy position. And you're a publisher when you're doing that. Okay, so Ted is exactly right about this. Of course, Senator Cruz, when he says that you guys are taking a position, as I said yesterday, my business partner tweeted out something overtly false about Stacey Abrams being governor of Georgia, not flagged by Twitter. If you say that there's widespread voter fraud in the United States, that is flagged as false by Twitter. So Twitter obviously has its own point of view on things. They're entitled to that, but let's not pretend that they are some sort of neutral arbiter of information. Meanwhile, in stories that presumably the establishment media wished that you would not look at, there are these Georgia Senate races. The Georgia Senate races, by the polling data, for whatever good it does, are vi- virtually dead even. You have John Ossoff running against David Perdue. David Perdue is the incumbent senator in Georgia. And then you have Senator Kelly Loeffler, who is appointed to that seat. She is running against Raphael Warnock. Now, Perdue did beat Ossoff in Georgia. He beat him by about two percentage points. He did not surpass 50%, which is what you need to avoid the runoff. He did that in a, in a time when Trump allegedly lost Georgia by you know 12,000 votes or so. So that was a, a bad performance by John Ossoff. The, the performance by Raphael Warnock, he won about 33% of the vote, but it was a three-way primary, essentially. Uh, now it's Kelly Loeffler versus Warnock. The polls are saying that that thing is close to dead even, but who cares? Like, honestly, can you take the polls with any level of seriousness at this point? If Raphael Warnock were to pull out that seat in Georgia, it would be a shocker. The reason it would be a shocker is because Raphael Warnock is a nutty Marxist, like a crazy person. So in 2011, for example, it's obvious the Democrats did not bother to bet this guy. Uh, Raphael Warnock, said in 2011 in a speech on tape 
that you cannot serve both God and the military. Literally, if you're in the military, you are against God, which is a hell of a thing to say about, you know, the men and women of America's military who are fighting for our freedom and the freedom of people like Raphael Warnock to be complete jackasses. America, nobody can serve God and the military. You can't serve God and money. You cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. America, choose ye this day whom you will serve. You can't serve God and the military. You can't be in the military and be and be a, a good Christian. Also, but you know what you can do? You can back abortion and be a great Christian. So you can't be in the military and be a good Christian. But according to Raphael Warnock, abortion is consistent with his Christian views, which suggests to me that uh, this guy really, uh, let's just say he's untraditional in his view of Christianity. I believe that health care is a human right. And I believe that it is something that the richest nation in the world provides for its citizens. And for me, reproductive justice is consistent with my commitment to that. Uh, I believe unequivocally in a woman's right to choose and that the decision uh, is something that we, we don't want government engaged in. I've been focused on women's health, women's choice, and reproductive justice. Uh, that is consistent with my view of, uh, as a Christian minister. So here's what we know about Raphael Warnock. He's hot on Marx. He kind of likes Castro. He's very much in favor of abortion. He's very much against the U.S. military, and he calls all of this Christian. Excellent vetting, Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee. We'll see how that goes for you. It's a bold move, Cotton. We'll see how it goes for them over in Georgia. Okay, meanwhile, we have some good news and we have some bad news on COVID-19. So here is some good news. There is actual good news coming. So Pfizer now says their vaccine is 95% effective in their final data. They're going to seek authorization from the FDA, FDA emergency authorization as of like right now. <coughs> According to the Wall Street Journal, an experimental COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer and BioNTech was 95% effective in final results from a pivotal study and is showing signs of being safe. Key pieces of data as the companies prepare to ask health regulators, health regulators to authorize use. Pfizer plans to seek authorization for that vaccine within days, the company said Wednesday, leaving the shot on track to go into distribution by the end of the year if health regulators permit. Now, it's true that tens of millions of people won't be able to get the doses, but tens of millions of people may not need the doses if you start with the most vulnerable. Right? My kids don't need doses of the vaccine. I don't need a dose of the vaccine. Right? The death rates on people who are under the age of 70 are, are pretty scanty, particularly if you have no pre-existing conditions. It's something like five in 1,000 are the death rates on people who are under the age of 70 in the United States, and that includes people with pre-existing conditions. So if you're in good health and you're 30, you probably don't need the vaccine right away in order for everybody to sort of start getting back to normal life. The 95% effectiveness rates puts the shot's performance on par with shingles and measles, which is really damned effective. It's also consistent with the vaccines showing in a peak last week at how it did in an analysis of the first 94 subjects to fall sick. Researchers have not yet found any serious safety issues. The vaccine appears to be well-tolerated following a review from 8,000 study subjects. A severe side effect was fatigue that was reported by about 4% of the subjects. About 2% of subjects reported headaches, but that's not like Guillain-Barre syndrome or something. The company said they have collected two months of safety data on about 19,000 study subjects requested by the FDA. They're still reviewing all of those results. Earlier, Moderna reported a similarly strong preliminary result for its shot, which the biotech said was 94.5% effective in an early look. Studies show that a lot of people are hesitant to get the shots. The evidence suggests that, that hesitancy is uh, probably not worthwhile at this point. A committee of independent health experts has analyzed the data from the trial and reported the results to Pfizer and BioNTech. The companies released the data by press release, and they plan to publish the results in more detail later in a peer-reviewed medical journal. 
The FDA is expected to take some time to consider the request for permission to distribute the vaccine. That will require a, a review by an outside committee of vaccine experts. The FDA plans to expedite the review, obviously. During the pandemic, the FDA has authorized emergency use for several drugs, including remdesivir, and recently a COVID-19 antibody drug from Eli Lilly and company. Upon authorization, Pfizer plans to produce up to 50 million doses by the end of the year, about half of which would be destined for the United States. The supplies would be enough to inoculate about 12.5 million Americans because each person needs to take two doses three weeks apart. Now, again, that's a great start. I mean, if you start with people who are the most vulnerable, people in nursing homes, people with significant pre-existing conditions, there are tens of millions of those people. But if you start with healthcare workers, for example, and you start with the people who are most likely to die, namely people who are above the age of 70 with pre-existing conditions, well, you're going to bring down those death rates pretty significantly and pretty quickly. So that is excellent, excellent news. And more excellent news. It turns out immunity to coronavirus could last for a year. According to Apoorva Mandeville reporting for the New York Times, years, maybe even decades, immunity might last. Eight months after infection, most people who have recovered still have enough immune cells to fend off the virus and prevent illness, according to new data. A slow rate of decline in the short term suggests that these cells may persist in the body for a very, very long time to come. The research published online has not been peer-reviewed or published in a scientific journal. It is the most comprehensive and long-ranging study of immune memory to the coronavirus to date. Now, this does show how irresponsible the media are. Remember, the media found like one case all over the world of a guy who was reinfected with COVID. And I was like, well, who knows how long immunity is going to last? Remember when President Trump said he was immune from the virus now that he'd had it? Everybody in the media were like, how dare he say that? We don't know that for sure. No, we kind of knew it then. And we certainly know it now. So can we stop with all this crap where you find some wild case of a guy being reinfected out of the millions of people, tens of millions of people who have been infected by this thing? And instead, why not look at the actual stats? It's the same sort of stuff you hear about long lasting symptoms from COVID. I'm sure that that does happen. I know people it's happened to. Does that mean that, well, like what percentage of people, should you be deeply worried about that? Until we see percentages, this means nothing. Again, evidence, evidence, evidence. A study published last week found that people who have recovered from COVID-19 have powerful and protective killer immune cells even when antibodies are not detectable. According to Deepta Bhattacharya, immunologist at the University of Arizona, the studies are all by and large painting the same picture. Once you get past those first few critical weeks, the rest of the response looks pretty conventional. Akiko Awasaki, immunologist at Yale, said she was not surprised the body mounts a long-lasting response because that's what's supposed to happen. Still, she says, that is very exciting news. And it is exciting news. Right? That, is, that is very, very good stuff, obviously. So that, that is good news. More good news. The FDA has now authorized the first at-home coronavirus test. They give an emergency green light to the first rapid COVID test that can run from start to finish at home. The test was developed by Lucera Health. It requires a prescription from a healthcare provider. People under 14 can't perform the test on themselves. But with a relatively simple nasal swab, the test can return results in about half an hour. It is projected by the company to cost 50 bucks or less, according to the product's website. Clinicians can also run the test on their patients, including kids under the age of 14, potentially delivering answers during a single visit to a care center or pharmacy instead of having this routine where you have to take the sample and then wait for hours to get the result. Right? All of this means that we are going to be bringing down the rates of transmission. It means that we are going to be bringing down the rates of death because if you can identify this stuff earlier, you can treat it better. All of this is really, really good news. Right, so we should be very, very happy about all of this. Meanwhile, it's hilarious to note that the media have finally noticed that it's a bad thing that Democrats have been holding up COVID aid. So remember that time when Nancy Pelosi for months held up a COVID relief package because she wanted to hurt President Trump at the ballot box? Remember that? And Trump was like, I want to make a deal. And Nancy Pelosi's like, I don't want to make a deal. And the media kept completely silent because they run at the behest of Nancy Pelosi. Well, now the election's over and they're saying to Nancy Pelosi, you know what you should do? Probably make a COVID relief deal. Once again, showing that our ridiculous media are, in, are indeed ridiculous and awful. 
So according to the Washington Post, this is the editorial board, Congress's stimulus impasse must end, even if it means Democrats accepting a smaller deal. You know when you could have written this, if you were actually honest? Hmm, a month ago. A month ago. By the way, I'm not going to pretend that uh, Nancy Pelosi's intransigence has not contributed to her almost losing the House of Representatives. There are another two Republican, there are another two seats that could flip Democrats or Republican over the course of the next 48 hours, which means the Republicans could pick up up to 14 seats in the House, which virtually no one had predicted. Now the editorial board at the Washington Post is like, you know, it would have been great if Nancy Pelosi had signed a COVID relief deal because people are suffering. According to the Washington Post editorial board, when negotiations between Pelosi and the Trump administration broke off before the November 3rd election, the latter had upped its offer to $1.9 trillion. But the speaker objected the proposal lacked details, such as a plan for containing the virus, and in any case was smaller than the $2.2 trillion the House passed in early October. Meanwhile, Trump was sending mixed signals while Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell was refusing to accept anything more than $500 billion. If Pelosi's strategy was to hold out until a Democratic sweep increased her leverage, it didn't quite work out. Democrats retained the House by a narrow majority and control of the Senate awaits two Georgia runoffs. The precise distribution of clout in Washington is anyone's guess, but the nation needs, especially those of the working poor and the unemployed, are beyond question. Priorities for a new package include extending eviction limits and special unemployment benefits for gig workers, another round of forgivable no-interest loans to small businesses, and aid to state and local governments. Possibly at least some elements may be attached to a spending bill that Congress must pass by December 11th to avoid a partial government shutdown. So hilariously, the media have now decided, you know what would be great to pass this COVID relief bill? Notice they didn't put any pressure on Nancy Pelosi to do that for literally months before before the election because they're a bunch of partisan hacks who essentially work for the Democratic Party at this point. By the way, quick note on on Joe Biden and his staffing up. So his selected White House staff thus far is likely to disappoint progressives. If you think this is going to be an easy period for the Democrats, even if Joe Biden ends up taking the inaugural oath, which God forbid, even if that ends up happening, Joe Biden, here's his staff, according to Ken Vogel, writing for the New York Times. Venture capital executive Ronald Klain, former pharmaceutical and insurance lobbyist Steve Reschetti, top Democratic recipients of big oil money Cedric Richmond, and a co-founder of a firm that represents pharma and private equity, Joe Malley Dixon. So uh, that's great. Uh, just just going to point out here that uh, Joe Biden is the establishment's idea of an establishment Democrat. Uh, that is what he is. And he's going to be at war with his own progressive wing. And so we very much look forward to that, even if uh, this election, this presidential election ends up going the wrong way. OK, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll see you here tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Nick Sheehan and Rebecca Doyle. The show is edited by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. CNN admits that they're hacks. Gavin Newsom and Jack Dorsey apologize. And the GOP cleans up in contested House elections. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free 
should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 